a Podcast One production. When you think of the Renaissance, you generally think of the great art, the great sculptures, the great cathedrals, you know, that's associated with great artists such as Michelangelo and da Vinci. You don't always associate the Renaissance with comical deaths. Um, and I know generally we sort of have a rule here uh, on the podcast not to mock death too lightly, but um, sometimes a death is just so funny you can't help but be drawn and talk about it. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at some of the great deaths of the Great Renaissance and ask if they're... Cat's pyjamas or cat's piss. With the chaser. My name is Chris Taylor. I'm joined at the Cat's Pajamas panel by Craig Rucastle, Dominic Knight, and Andrew Hansen. Are we ready to talk death? Love Always. to. All right. Um, the first great death of the Renaissance um, belongs to a gentleman called Arthur Aston. So, Arthur Aston was a professional soldier and royalist who fought on behalf of King Charles I in the English Civil War of 1642. <laughs> And during a battle in that war, he fell off a horse and lost his leg. Yes. Ooh. So far, so normal. Um, <laughs> after he lost his leg, however, he wore a wooden leg, but he kept on fighting in the war. He was Good a, on him. Yeah. So he was brave. A battler. He was very, very, very loyal to King Charles I against the rebel forces. Is this what got him the sir, or is he a ready sir, or did he I'm get the sir sh- for the funny death? I'm not sure why he was knighted. <laughs> we might get to that a little bit later. I'd like to think it was for his service to uh, the monarchy. Anyway, so um, if you know your Civil War history, um, this is obviously the Oliver Cromwell uh, rebellion. Obviously. And when, mm. when Oliver Cromwell's forces attacked the Royalists in 1645, Sir Arthur was captured... And he was beaten to death with his own wooden leg. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, thus becoming oh. our first great Renaissance death. What do we think of that? Is that fa- all, all fair in war or is that a slightly poor way to go? <laughs> yeah, that's rough, isn't it? I mean, that, that's, you know, the sort, that sort of playground behaviour, isn't it? You can imagine a bunch of school kids. I know. Let's, <laughs> let's steal his wooden leg and be- <laughs> Beat the shit out of him with it. What school did you go to? <laughs> well, how many Australian people had one. wooden legs and how many people were taking them off people <laughs> and beating them to death with Andrew them? went to pirate school. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it feels a little bit walk the plank, this one, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Look, I think it's, it's cat's pyjamas, though, because thank God he had that wooden leg because mm. otherwise it's so much more brutal when somebody tries to beat you to death with your own leg and it's not detachable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is terrible. <laughs> I would expect nothing less from Mr War on Waste, Craig Rickles. Mm. Didn't want the wooden leg mm. to go to waste. Exactly. Recycled into a blunt murder weapon. Well, Good second a, use. Probably a lesson here for, you know, anyone who comes up against someone who doesn't have all their limbs. Like I'm thinking about the intruder in the Oscar Pistorius case. Oh, Did yeah. it ever occur to him as he was being shot? that he could have, you know, retaliated by just taking... I don't know if Oscar had his legs on at the time. I don't think he did. No, I think that was one of the... Mm, that was but, but if Well, mm. thank God he didn't. It could have got very bloody if he had his legs on. Well, presumably his legs were sitting in the corner, so the guy should have <laughs> gone for the leg. Get the legs first. And beat him to death with his own leg. Yeah, yeah so... In, in, a, in a reference to this famous Renaissance death. <laughs> a tribute to, a tribute. to Arthur Aston. Didn't the court find that there was no intruder? Wasn't that part of the problem that led to Oscar oh, Pistorius being locked up? nitpicking, He Dominic. could have injured himself with his own legs, true, I suppose. True. I mean, had that entire story not been made up and he just shot his wife, then yes, that's true. Now, look, there's a bit of a kicker to this story. Um, hey! <laughs> sorry. Very good. Not intended. Um, uh, Cromwell's soldiers in their defence, because um, it was regarded as a bit, you know, unsporting <laughs> to club him to death with his own leg. 
Um, they said, oh, no, the, the reason we wanted his leg is that there was a rumour doing the round amongst the Cromwell forces that it was full of gold coins and that he, in fact, <laughs> used his wooden leg as a kind of piggy bank. Like yeah, a wallet. As a and so they said we were just trying to shake the coins free. Oh, and his body leg. got in the way. His head got in the way. This <laughs> is very much Jamal Khashoggi, isn't it? Like, if, if, did he have any wooden limbs that were used yeah, in the Saudi embassy? death. This is, so this is a very un- implausible story. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, firstly, you know, it's very hard to be a kind of out there on the, the battlefield on and a be, horse with a wooden sneak leg. up with somebody if, you, if your leg's going full <laughs> with coins. There's no surprise factor <laughs> yeah, in exactly. that. You hear you coming. If you've ever gone on horseback with a piggy bank, it doesn't work. <laughs> I think that's right. I think if I was an amputee, if, if I ever lose a limb, I'm going to remember that. Great place to store your keys, mm. your mm. wallet, maybe your mobile phone in, in the stump. Yes, it'd be a bit weird, you know, actually at the cash register, though, wouldn't it? When, yes. when you're being asked to pay, mm. you've got to tap oh, yes, your wooden excuse leg. Excuse me, I'll just <laughs> look at my detached wooden leg before you beat me to death with it. <laughs> like old ladies who have all their pennies and take their leg off really slowly and count them one by one, <laughs> holding up the queue at the bank. It is sort of surprising, you know, like you never really hear about the horses in these wars. So Arthur, obviously. How got... many wooden legs did the horse Well, that's have? what I'm wondering. Like, because it wasn't only humans losing their legs, you know, like in the Melbourne Cup. Mm. Whenever they get lame, they just bring out the gun. Mm. But why not the wooden wooden leg filled with gold coin solution might be something we can do to save a lot of horses. Well, wouldn't it be lovely (laughs) if at the Invictus Games they had horses Horses. that... This is going to be the podcast everyone complains about, isn't it? Horses who served. Horses who served alongside their... uh, I reckon people would prefer the Melbourne Cup if, if a horse did get to come back the next year. It's like you tripped over last yeah. year, now you come back He's with back a wooden leg. With a wooden leg. And, and maybe we just have to have a race for them, like an Invictus Melbourne Cup. Yeah, mm. something like that. Yeah. For, for yeah. horses that have got injured in the yeah, Melbourne exactly. Cup. Yeah, exactly. I'm in for that. Did they? I didn't watch all the Invictus games, but is there an equestrian component, including horses that served? I didn't see that, but look, it was mostly the wheelchair rugby and basketball I was watching, but... Um, no, I'm not, not sure. many horses in those. No, I don't think so. It's a lovely I thought, mean, though, isn't do it? We, yeah, do I'm... we use a lot of horses in war nowadays? <laughs> That's a good I point. Feel, I feel that like maybe... Quite, I think you found the floor I, in the question. I feel like maybe we now use slightly more up-to-date weaponry. Well, maybe, maybe the drones we're flying over Yemen aren't manned by horses. <laughs> well, maybe they should have their own games. They I mean, that, that'd, be, that'd be fun. They, they do have bomb sniffer dogs, though, Chris, don't they? Yeah. I just wouldn't mind seeing them in, in a in a little uh, dog fight or something. Or, or just Victus games. Uh, sheep. What do they call that dog? Sheep rounding up. Yeah, that sport. Are you sure they don't use horses at all in war? Because our police still use horses. That's true. I'm not oh, sure how yeah. effective that is they're for not, policing, though. I reckon ISIS use horses. There'd be, there'd be certain rebel forces that still get around on horseback. I'm, I'm not sure saying Afghanistan. They, I'm not saying ISIS deserve to be <laughs> represented in the Invictus Games, <laughs> but I'm not saying that they shouldn't. No, you just. But yeah, the point is that, that I don't think the Australian military uses a lot of horses in the war zones. I think they use them for your your parade. Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah, yes. And yeah, yeah, when when, when the military goes to El Cabello Blanco. <laughs> yeah, yeah, then it's all <laughs> right. of course, it's yeah. very equine. They tried it with border Protect. force, like on, on the st- <laughs> control of the Australian border and they were hopeless at sea. We need an inflatable pool pony. That would have done the trick. <laughs> uh, very good. Okay, um, let's move on. Um, we go to France now on Great Renaissance Deaths and we meet Mr Francois Vatel. This is possibly one of my favourite stories from history, certainly one of my favourite from France. Uh, Francois Vatel was the maitre d' of a French general and nobleman called Louis II de Bourbon, the Prince de Condé. 
And in remember that name. <laughs> there will be a test later. <laughs> now, in uh, 1671, Vettel was, was tasked with hosting an extravagant banquet at the Chateau de Chantilly in honour of a visit for King Louis XIV. Mm-hmm. And in preparation for the event, Vettel is credited with inventing Chantilly Creme, which I'm sure yeah. you're very familiar with, uh, <laughs> a sweet whipped cream with a light vanilla flavour. Yeah, is Why that you the all f- sort of fake cream you get in a jam roll? I'm not very yeah, fond of that. Yeah, yeah. That, well, I, I, that's a corruption of it, a kind of bastardisation. Oh, okay. oh, he just, probably much he just invented cream in a can, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, he didn't invent um, iced vovos too, did he? Is that the guy? No, that's not him, but he did do Chantilly cream. I uh, thought you were going to say Vittel invented mineral water, nothing exciting at no, all. No, no, he invented Chantilly cream, which uh, pastry buffs will uh, be very, uh, very familiar with. <laughs> now... He was on a high. He just invented the most delicious cream. France is losing this. He's having a shit. good day. Was, was having... he the Zumbo of his day? He was. He was absolutely oh. the Zumbo of his day. And he's on cloud nine. And... Right. Is he now heavily indebted with lots of stores that don't make money? <laughs> <laughs> no. Anyway, so despite his, um, his triumph with the cream, the evening of the banquet ended much more dramatically for him. As you see, Vettel was a notorious perfectionist. And he became distraught over the fish course at the banquet being delayed in the kitchen. In Mm. fact, he was so upset and humiliated by the delay of the fish that he killed himself with his sword. Uh, Cat's piss or cat's pyjamas, to take that much pride in the feast that you're serving the King of France, that if a fish is slightly late to the table... There's no other option but to uh, take your own oh, life. I think it's cat's piss, and I'm I'm going to be very worried now about ever complaining to the chef or, or sending <laughs> something back. I didn't realise chefs were so uh, sensitive. Well, he wasn't the chef; he was just sort of the maitre d. He was just the waiter, but he was getting very. Right. He was sort of the front of house, and you know he was getting very agitated. He can see people were growing impatient that the fish hadn't arrived, and it was his pride. And it's, I guess it's something we traditionally associate with Asian countries where loss of face and pride, but the French took their food so seriously well, that if you serve a late fish, you have no other option, <laughs> according to Vettel, other than to uh, take your own life. I know that in Japan the tradition is if you, like, with the poisonous puffer fish, the fugu, mm. if you if you don't take the poison glands out and one of your um, clients were to die, then the chef should commit a ritual suicide. Right. But just in this situation... That's very eye for an eye. Yeah. Whereas in this case we're just saying kill. the fish is a bit late. I just feel a bit pajamas, Not only is it just good that he has, he has a real respect for his job, mm. but I'd like to see this come to MasterChef. Yes. Because, <laughs> you know, they always have those challenges yeah. where they fill a restaurant. Yeah. I find them quite boring, mm. but if it was the if the yeah. added pressure was, hurry up, guys, yeah. the maitre d's about to kill yeah. himself. Yeah. Yeah, it's or not just, elimination just, on the line, it's yeah. execution. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or just at Macca's, like if your burger's a bit late. Yeah. I'd like to see the kitchen strewn with corpses. Mm. <laughs> right. There's a bit of an irony um, to Vettel, a bit of a postscript, because his body was discovered that night um, by a junior aide who was running to tell him that the fish was ready. <laughs> oh. Oh. So he, he didn't do it. He didn't do it publicly. <laughs> no, no, it was a very private suicide. He did it in a private yeah. suicide. I mean, yeah. again, oh. he's, I don't think he's taken. Do you think he should have done it in front of the I king? I don't think I... he's taken full responsibility <laughs> for the late fish. There, it's cat's piss because okay, the fish was a bit late. How much later was the rest of the dinner when they discovered the corpse well, of the maitre d? That's true. I hope mm. they buried him at least in a in a sort of a nice style, perhaps in a coffin full of delicious sweet Chantilly. Or they suddenly had a new main course to serve. You know, they could pass off <laughs> Vettel as pork. Yeah. <laughs> Anything, anything's good if you put that cream over it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
we stay in France now and... Good, because I was just getting up on the history there. <laughs> Introduce you. This is the same court. We're still in Louis XIV. It was a, a rather bloody time. Yes, around the same time, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Jean-Baptiste Lully. Uh, now, he was a composer who worked in the court of Louis XIV and he was very, very close friends with the king. They were best mates. And in January of 1687, Lully conducted a performance to honour Louis XIV's recovery from an illness. Now, as was the tradition of the time, Lully was keeping the rhythm by banging a long staff against the floor. This must have been a period where they hadn't quite come up with a little baton to wave in front of the orchestra. They had this giant Gandalf-type staff. It so gets in the way of the... Oh, the chair. Well, it would have been a great tune, but some dickhead kept banging <laughs> his staff. So again, he should have reused the wooden leg that we spoke oh, about earlier. Yeah, that could have recycled it. third use, Rui. Yeah. Okay, now I don't know if you can see where this is going, but oh, he, was, he was banging a long staff against the floor to keep time. But during a particularly expressive passage, he accidentally hit his toe during the performance incredibly hard, causing it to rupture and bleed heavily. But but ever the professional, Lully did not stop the performance and soldiered on like a trooper. But by the end of the third movement of the piece, he lost so much blood that he died. (laughs) Now, Andrew Hansen, I'll come to you first because as the musical one here at... uh, the Cat's Pyjamas podcast, I know, you, you'll understand. The pressure a performer is under. Would you have stopped or was he uh, was he right to soldier on in honour of the king? Oh, well, it's funny you mention that because I actually grew up being forced to learn this piece of music by Lully. I think <laughs> right. it was a gavotte or something like that. Right. So you've heard and of I, him. I, yeah, I heard not only that, but I hate his guts because I bloody hated this bloody thing. So Is that because your story... mum would stand there next to you with a giant broom and just hammer it on the ground? <laughs> it had to be authentically performed as Lully himself would have done it. Mm. No, I just couldn't stand the thing. So I'm delighted to hear that he actually <laughs> beat him <laughs> his own toe uh, to the point that he died. I think that's... <laughs> That would have made little Andrew very, very happy to hear that story. Mm. But, yeah, no, I I guess he wished that the metronome had been invented at that (laughs) point. It would have saved him a lot of trouble. Craig, what do you think? Um, I mean, mean, there's something stupid about it. Like he was a clumsy conductor, obviously, to to hit himself in the toe. Mm. And yet there's something kind of honourable about not cancelling the performance and soldiering on to his death. Again, though, that's really the thing is what do you prefer when you go home? You go, oh, I went to a concert tonight. Do you prefer to go, oh, that's a stop it a bit because the guy hurt his toe? We have to go, during the third movement, the guy, the conductor died in a massive pool of blood. <laughs> like, that's not a good thing. Well, it depends who the artist is. You know, like yeah, if that yeah, was, yeah. I don't know, mm, some <laughs> like, sort of death metal band. Yeah, yeah exactly. Meatloaf. You kind of go, oh, finally, best Meatloaf concert yeah, ever. He's, origi- he's the original death metal band. <laughs> <laughs> You'd want it to be at the climax, though. I want it to be a sort of black swan style lose yourself in the art, emotional peak, and then he drops mm. dead. If it's just in sort of a little shit moment where it all gets quiet, it's no it's no good at all. I wonder if we can uh, credit Lully with the, the creation of the orchestra pit because may, I think back then they played on stage ah. where, you know, the blood was probably cascading yeah. quite yeah. frequently yeah. during yeah. concerts from conductors who were so yeah. clumsy they kept hitting themselves in the foot. And the people in the front row found it a bit annoying mm. to, you know, be sh- have a cascade of human blood dripping on them. So someone said, why don't we just put the orchestra under the stage oh, so they so won't they can get, die. So they can <laughs> die quietly out of sight. So we can replace the conductors as they <laughs> yeah, die. Yeah, no one will know if they're dead or not because yeah. you can't see them. Yeah, I think you're probably right. 
He was kind of the Beyonce of his day. Didn't Beyonce break a leg in the middle of a performance once and just soldier on and finish the gig? People do do this. You, you do hear about rock stars. I don't know about Beyonce, but other people who sprain their ankles or legs doing big mm. hero rock star moves and they just soldier on. I mean, there is something about the show must go on, isn't there? I, I know yeah. I've got a friend who did a a performance of a play in Sydney and there was a particularly tricky bit of choreography where she had to hang herself every night. And there's a, there's a sort of obviously a stagecraft way of doing that. So it, Bloody the, hope so. The illusion of hanging yourself. But it went wrong one night and she did serious damage to her spine, but she just soldiered Jeez. on. She didn't want to let the cast in. Did the cast realise? Because I always think that's the thing of... I've heard stories of that before where people are on stage and something's gone wrong and people think it's still within the play but somebody's yeah. actually kind of started bleeding or otherwise. I, I think that was just a cheesy old movie you saw, Craig, from the 1930s. Oh, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> but if your acting's good enough, you wouldn't mm. know. You might just think, oh, she, she's really well, giving a good performance Do tonight. we know if um, Luli, or whatever his name was, mm. maybe he was just calling for help the whole time. Well, he, and they just, he, he was waving He's, for help really and they just thought he was, he was going conducting. faster, faster. <laughs> yeah, like, he was doing fastest, SOS in yeah. Morse code and no one understood. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move now to Asia. Emperor Nazir ud-Din Muhammad Humayun. Is this still in the Renaissance time? Yeah, it is. It's funny because you, you tend to think or associate the Renaissance with Europe, but the Renaissance is just a period of time and it obviously covered the whole world. And we don't really hear of many um, Renaissance achievements from Asia, but Emperor Humayun, and it's highly possible I'm not pronouncing that correctly, I'm going to go to our uh, Asia file expert. Do we know much about Humayun Dom? Um, I've heard of a hummus. <laughs> right, okay. No help at all. Uh, anyway, Humayun ruled the Mughal or the Mughal Empire, which is basically present-day Afghanistan, Pakistan and parts of India. So we're in that part of the world. Mm. Um, he was the emperor there from 1530 to 1540 and he was an extremely devout Muslim who followed the Quran to the letter. On January 27, 1556, Humayun was descending the staircase from his library with his arms full of books. Upon hearing the nearby mosque's call to prayer, Humayun kneeled as he always would. However, it proved somewhat difficult to kneel down on the staircase. Mm. Trying to bow down in the direction of Mecca while descending the stairs, he caught his foot on his robe, which sent him tumbling down the stairs. He hit his head on the stone ground and died instantly. So here's a man who is so committed um, to the laws of Islam and the, and the rituals of prayer that even when he's found himself on a staircase, he said, Margaret, that's where I am when I hear the call to prayer. I'm going to try to kneel on a descending staircase and it led to his death. Cat's pyjamas, 77 virgins straight up. Right, Dom's cat's pajamas. <laughs> I was very I think, devout. It's it's cat's pajamas for me too. Good, good for him. But it, it does make me wonder. I mean, this sounds pretty inconvenient um, <laughs> to to Muslims today. If they hear the call to prayer and they happen to be water skiing at the time, or, or <laughs> yeah, maybe, tightrope walking, I imagine. Yeah, yeah, just have to kneel down and face jumping. <laughs> oh, exactly, or you know, riding a, a motorcycle over a tightrope. Um, <laughs> like, evil can evil can be converted to yeah. Islam. Yeah. He would have had to be a problem, his... but um, I don't look. I have, a, I have an Islamic friend of mine who said that you can do it later. Uh, he said, he said you, you don't have to pray on the exact time. He said you can sort of save them up and do them later. Well, in the that day. might be Humayun's well, legacy. Um, I mean, yeah. maybe there was a time, and we are talking about fifteen thirty here, where it was the minute you hear that minaret, down you, you go. You go down. Mm. Well, this, that's a bit like your friends, a bit like Catholicism as well, because you can kind of put it off. 
and just only say, oh, yeah, no, now, now I apologise to God when you're on your deathbed. Live the rest of your yes. life, as, yeah. you know, in sin. But, look, I think this is, I think it's Cat's pyjamas. Congratulations on his dedication <laughs> to his religion to the very end. Yeah, good for him. Mm. Yeah, I mean, he's actually a model Muslim yeah. in that sense. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it would have been clumsy. And if this was the age of, you know, funniest Mughal Empire videos, I'm sure he'd be a prime candidate. If you put some good sound effects behind this, a guy oh, going oh, down. Oh, the call to a prayer has gone. Oh, I bet oh, 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 I've made a mecca mecca mess out of this one. I mean, you do want to see the footage, though, don't you? Because, like, yeah, you I do. just love the image of a guy trying to do it on a staircase. Exactly. It's fine, but the interesting thing is, that if he'd been going upstairs, he'd be fine. Oh, he would have nailed it. No, no, mm. it's just going downstairs. Yeah. Although I guess you go face to face mecca. Oh, well, mecca was downstairs. Maybe what's happened is. That from now on, you always have to make sure your stairs go upstairs facing Mecca you, you, to protect yourself in this situation. You brief your architect. Mm. You go, are you any stairs in your house? Yeah. Well, can you please have them facing Face Mecca. Mecca on the mm. upstairs? Mm. That, that doesn't solve it. Oh, that doesn't it, solve it because you can still be coming down. No, it doesn't solve it. No, because you have to face Mecca. So you, you're you need two staircases. Down. No, 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 you're walking down. You still have to turn around to face Mecca. Oh, right. So about face. About face. It, yeah. It's really about your stair design. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you had wide stairs, you'd be fine. See, this is what, mm. if, if, only, if only Obama had known this, you know, instead of that whole getting the SEAL team in there to kill Osama, oh, yeah. all they had to do is make sure he hid out oh. in the house <laughs> where the stairs <laughs> face stairs. down. Right. And wait <laughs> and for the court of prayer. Right. Could have knocked him out easier. Right. It's just a simple bit of architecture. Could you get around this? I'm not saying this is a foolproof solution, but if you put a sort of fireman's pole in your empress house, so you're taking stairs out of the equation. And I was I thinking slippery dip. Well, slippery yeah. dip's not bad because I reckon, mm. and this sort of goes to Andrew's point, that you'd allow a couple of seconds delay if you were halfway down a slide or a pole Till you're on the ground, then you get down on all fours. But there's something about the stairs where it's a bit 50 50. Because on each individual stair, there is a landing of sorts where you could technically kneel if you weren't carrying a lot of books and tripping on your robe. Like, you, I reckon mm. you could do that move, mm. but it was the combination of carrying a lot of books, <laughs> tripping on a bizarrely, unusually long robe. And the downhill stairs. So really, and, and his devotion. It's unfair that we're blaming his devotion to Islam for this. Like, really, it was because he was a reader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, forget the stairs and the religion. It was the books that were <laughs> his books, or it was bad design of his robe. It, well, I wonder what he was, what sort of books they were. It'd be embarrassing if they were sort of. It was like Max Walker. Max Walker, or, <laughs> or worse, <laughs> Christian books. He was just found he wasn't, oh, de- wasn't devoted at all. He was trying to convert to Christianity just before he died. They could include that. You know, if you watch the true crime series, The Staircase, <laughs> I mean, it could be an excuse. <laughs> surely there's another season <laughs> of that they could make. Was it season eight? Humayun. <laughs> yeah, Humayun. <laughs> Maybe the guy, what's his name? Michael, I've forgotten oh, his name. I forget that, his name. Uh, yeah, but the, the author. Yeah. So he was an author. He was probably writing books that Hilma Yun was interested in. <laughs> he wasn't, you know, does anyone know that he wasn't seen near Hilma Yun at the time he was pushed? <laughs> well, people know that they lived about a thousand <laughs> years apart. But yeah. besides that, besides that. Very hey, look, besides it doesn't that. matter. It doesn't matter. The true crime podcast right now, that doesn't matter. No. As long as you go, or did he? Yeah. At the end of it. We're talking about great deaths of the Renaissance here on Cat's Pyjamas with the Chaser. I'm Chris Taylor, joined by Craig, Dom and Andrew. Our next death of the great Renaissance is a gentleman called Tycho Bray. Uh, he's a Dutch nobleman. He was actually very famous in his day. He was remembered for his work in astronomy. 
particularly his precise measurements. Yeah, I've heard of him, actually. Yeah, he was like mm. a, a, an absolute key figure in astronomy. <laughs> he was easily the leading astronomer of, of, uh, of the time. But one day Bray was attending a banquet in Prague. This was October of 1601. <laughs> and while eating at this banquet, he desperately had to use the restroom. But he felt it would be a breach of etiquette a bit poor form and good manners to get up from this banquet to go to the toilet. So he decided to hold on. <laughs> Are all your funny deaths based on people's social embarrassment oh, about just being impolite? There does or... seem to be a trend, a pattern, doesn't there? Because yeah. I think, unlike today, people cared about that stuff a lot more than we do. Yeah, I mean, you clearly. or I would just get up and, you know, gladly make a, a loud piss, probably even leave the gent's door open so everyone could hear our... <laughs> voluminous stream. <laughs> That's right, I just back, do it at the table. Back then they had manners. The societies were built on etiquette and decorum. Well, you're, but you're just that polite. Well, didn't you, the other night you got so drunk that you fell asleep on a doorstep because you were too <laughs> polite to take somebody's offer mm. of you sleeping in their room. Well, I'm true, trying, you're the Tycho Brahe. You're the really, Tycho the Brahe of your day. I always see myself as a Renaissance man. <laughs> not, not in the sense that I have a lot of skills and that I'm very polite. Yeah, yeah in the sense that I get drunk and wake up on doorstep. Also in the sense that you will definitely have a funny death Someday. <laughs> he's hoping. Anyway, so he's busting, right? Absolutely mm. busting. Um, but he, he, he was t- too big a gentleman to go, so he decided to hold on. Mm. He successfully managed to hold it all in until he got home. But then when he finally did get home, he found himself unable to urinate at all. Completely froze. Because you, you, you've held it in too long. This can happen. Oh, it's like, gone back. Yeah. He's overshot. He, he can't go yeah. at all. 11 mm. days later, he died. What? <laughs> Eleven days. Eleven days later, he died. Did, did he? Did he get to? He never have went. A leak he in never went. Day? He never had one for the road. Uh, I was going to say we got to <laughs> check with with Taylor. He's a bit dodgy. So what? did he die because of yeah, this? Was there a it's causal just like link? Eleven days more day, later, he died. Well, go, well, what happened? He got, oh, he got run over by a horse. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, it's a good question. It is a good leash. question. There was Coroner, a staircase incident. <laughs> Coroner Rue Castle. We can't just assume because he eleven days earlier he hadn't had a piss. Therefore, that was the reason <laughs> for his death. Imagine if he died of totally natural causes, and this poor man, <laughs> this poor famous man who died of natural causes, has just gone down in history as having died of not having a pissed just because a few weeks earlier. <laughs> well, 11 days earlier. 11 yeah. days earlier. I think this is cat's pyjamas, though, because now uh, for the rest of our lives, as you've heard this fact, you can just be like, well, better go to the bathroom in the middle of dinner. Tycho, bruh, he died because yeah. he, you know, you held it in. Don't want to mm. be a Tycho. Well, don't want to be a Tycho. I don't think this is a cat's piss. I think this is Dutch nobleman's piss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also, how do we know this, Taylor? Because it's a very private matter that they wouldn't have been discussing it. Yeah, did, did he have he? a diary where he went, oh, I did it tonight, I could not pass pass <laughs> urine at all? Day 10, still no urine. <laughs> still I, dry. I got one of my biggest telescopes and stuck it up the eye and saw nothing up there. <laughs> nothing for 11 days. The outlook is grim. And the audience unsubscribes <laughs> to this podcast. <laughs> look, look. these are all excellent questions. Um, mm. Because he was such a nobleman, um, there was great medical interest in the cause <laughs> of his death and they did find that it was... I don't know the medical term for it, but yeah, it was related to his inability to go. You can you can back up so much. Because sometimes there's those. He's got a, an infection, a urinary infection. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other good thing with this is, if normally when you hear a weird stories, sometimes they're covering up something that you know oh, somebody yeah. famous did to make because there's more embarrassing. In this case, I'm like. You'd be really annoyed if you had an embarrassing story and their cover-up story was the I couldn't <laughs> pee story. <laughs> yeah. Like, come What's on, the real guys. Reason, Tycho? If what you're going to cover up my, my embarrassing story, 
Get a better story than that. Is it, is it a thing? Has it ever happened to you guys? Because I've heard about yeah, this so in, like, I, in Seinfeld plot no, lines. Just but, last year I died of not pissing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but is it like, can you, can, you, so, can, you, can you be so busting that you reach the point where you can't go? Well, I found I've definitely held on long enough a few times that it's been really difficult to go. Right. It kind of went away, reached, yeah. Where does I it go? I haven't reached Point Tycho, right. but I've, <laughs> I've reached the point where, you know, it's, just, it's a struggle. Yeah, you know, like if you're sort of in a – I can't remember the situation, but if you just couldn't pee for reasons of politeness. I assume our body somewhere in the evolutionary – uh, Jumble thinks we're at a Renaissance dinner party where it would be rude to pee, and there's some sort of a emergency mode that it goes into. Because yeah, if you wait for long enough, sometimes you do just you can't do it. So this is a thing. I think so. Well, I think so. Mm, yeah. I think so. That's why I always carry a water bottle with me. I find it particularly if you're there at a dinner and you're waiting for the fish and the fish yeah. doesn't come. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's all over. He could have killed then, the entire dinner yeah, party. And then you beat the maitre d' to death with his own leg and then, no. <laughs> Does the lesson of Tycho Brother not exonerate, you know, a hundred rugby league players who, you know, have had to urgently consume their own piss or <laughs> or the poo jogger who could not wait to get home before relieving and evacuating his bowel. Are they all citing the Tycho Bray defence that unless you go when the nature calls, you could die 11 days later? Well, there's, there's one possible problem with that theory, though, in the, in the rugby league case of the bubbling story there, right? He could have said, I just had to go, I, had to I just go. had to go, I, I couldn't stop myself, I had to go in my mouth. But he did it at a urinal. <laughs> slightly undermines the story. I just couldn't possibly put it down an extra three inches and go to the toilet there. Our final great death of the Renaissance. This one, look, I don't have a lot of detail on this one. I'm going to be quite upfront Unlike the last one. <laughs> like, but there's something, this just amuses me and I just want us to speculate about whether... The death was warranted or not. Yeah, can I just note, I'm really busting, so just <laughs> rattle through it. Okay. Okay. Make right. it a long one I'll and we'll see. If <laughs> try to do it within 10 days. Um, this gentleman's name is Nanda Bayan. He served as the king of Myanmar, sometimes called Burma, from 1581 to 1599. And look, it's a very Monty Python kind of death for those, for those that know their Python sketch history because according to reports... Nanda laughed himself to death in 1599 when he was informed by a visiting Italian merchant that, quote, and this is the punchline, <laughs> Venice was a free state without a king. That was the joke. That was, Nanda Bayin was told, hey, <laughs> hey, have you heard? Venice was a free state without a king. Nanda Bayin pissed himself, well, sorry, that's not used, pissed himself after the Tycho incident. <laughs> he laughed so hard at the admittedly riotous line that Venice was a free state without a king, that he died from laughter. So that's why I got a bad reaction at the Burmese Comedy Festival last <laughs> right. year. He's doing the wrong material. <laughs> now, look, I, it's possible, I guess, that people could laugh themselves to death. Do we think that's a sufficiently strong line to go out on if you are going to laugh yourself to death? Look, yeah. <laughs> I'm, look I'm assuming that, this is topical comedy you that to hasn't be aged yeah. terribly yeah, yeah, yeah. well in the 400 years since, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we should say that. We'll get Husey to do it and see if he really nails yeah, it. Venice was a free state without a king. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's already better. I mean, I don't know what people were saying about Venice at the time. I guess they were saying it wasn't a free state. <laughs> and so can, you, <laughs> can you just yeah. do the rest of this podcast as yeah. cheesy? It's, a, it's absolutely a kenny. <laughs> I mean, Andrew's right. A lot of comedy is context. He had and, to be and, there. And timing. Mm. But mm. look, it doesn't even really warrant a chuckle it today. Let really, alone it laugh yourself to death. of a gag. No, it doesn't. <laughs> well, no, but what was the lead up? Do we know the set? It might have been preceded by like an uh, hour of stand-up. Which and is, the guy was, was in a riotous uh, mm, state true. of... It's also, to be fair, the guy might have just been stoned. Let's face it. He may not have been. He might have just, this. everything might have been pretty funny to him that time. Well, he's in the Golden Triangle. It could have been another drug operation as well. And had he not died that night, he would have woken up the next morning with a little piece of paper next to him where he'd written down this funniest gag he'd ever hit. looked at it and gone... Oh, that's not funny at all, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Certainly had that experience. No, I'm with you there, Craig. And sense of humour, it's very subjective, a sense of humour. Some people, yeah. you know, think farts are funny, for instance. Other mm. people don't. Some people find free states hilarious. <laughs> and other people, not so much. Especially that, of canal cities. <laughs> I think laughing to death itself is kind of cat's piss. I've never heard the joke that warranted that response. Mm, well, that's because you don't get a lot of Venice humour. Exactly. It's Prince Philip, though, probably will laugh himself to death, laughing at some racist fitting. joke. Right. It's a fitting way for him to go. Like, I, I think if he's ever, and I'm not saying I want it to happen, but if he is ever at that period you get sometimes where someone's on the verge, they really should bring out the, the sort of racist 1930s joke book and help mm. him to die happy, don't you think? I agree. Yeah. Look, that is uh, Great Deaths of the Renaissance. Just before we uh, wrap the podcast up, I just uh, just a final question for the panel. Like, a lot of the people we've looked at were, were great kings or at least in the service of noblemen and kings. Do you feel that today's monarchs just aren't quite cutting it? Like, they're kind of mm. a more conventional deaths. Do we need to bring back some comical deaths to respect our monarchy more? Craig? I think we do. I mean, they, they, they tried with Princess Diana and that was like, it was kind of... comical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of tragic too. <laughs> yeah, kind of tragic too. That might be a joke that leads to your death. But you know what I mean? Like, we're not seeing... You know, he doesn't have to be our royal family, but like the, the King of Tonga isn't hitting himself on the foot with a giant staff. And yeah, stuff. he's like, not doing that. He, and he, there's not enough beating people to death with their own wooden legs. Are these know, the like, lessons of the Renaissance? People think it was a great age of enlightenment, the, way we, the world became more artistic and, uh, you know, worldly and humanist. But maybe the real lessons were we just learnt how to stay alive a little bit longer. <laughs> I think that's very profound, Chris. Mm. And and I'm with you. No, I reckon, I reckon we could, you, you know, the royals, what they do is they tour to make us love them, don't they? Like, mm. you know, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle. But maybe they should be adding in really comical deaths. Like, you know, <laughs> if, if, if Prince Harry just didn't urinate for 11 days and, and died in a paroxysm of <laughs> urinary tract infection, that might, you know, guarantee that the monarchy continues because we'd be so entertained. <laughs> well, also, I guess it's just that we're living longer. I mean, almost all of us around the, the, the panel will die of cancer or heart disease probably in our 80s. It's going to be very boring, not very random, not very funny, but in the Renaissance times it was so easy to die that on average... A lot of those deaths would have been pissingly funny. Well, just, what do you mean it's <laughs> so easy to cheat? This is not, it's not based on a general fact that we're living longer. I mean, we're not living longer because less people are beating you to death with your own leg no. or you're I not think we weaned. Might be. No, <laughs> we've invented, we've invented a... <laughs> the baton so we don't yeah. have to die in that oh, manner. You yeah, know? that's true. So that, Progress that has taken us beyond wooden legs and, and 
massive You're right, stuff. So kind of amongst the conductor community mm. used to be a huge amount of deaths. Yeah. To, like the, the, the little baton is like the airbag. To oh. the, <laughs> the life community. expectancy of conductors is massively increased <laughs> since the Renaissance. <laughs> uh, look, here's maybe a better question to go out on. Would you, would you rather have a comical death or just as Dom said, just die when you're 80 of some awful disease? Or would you rather go when you're 50 but in a very amusing way that gives pleasure to people in generations to come? <laughs> I think I'd like a funny death. I, yeah, me I, too. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm just afraid that it, it will be a really shit joke and it'll be like, it seemed like it was going to be funny at the time, but then at the very last minute it just, just was a bit sad. That's yeah, I I'm, predict here on this podcast that's how I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm worried <laughs> that I die of laughing at a, a, a joke as bad as Venice Free State without a kid. <laughs> <laughs> All right, on that note, thank you for listening to Cat's Pajamas with The Chaser. Remember, you can download other editions of this podcast by going to Podcast One. Cat's Pajamas or Cat's Piss with The Chaser was written and presented by The Chaser. Created in collaboration with Podcast One Australia, producer Alex Mitchell, sound production by Darcy Thompson and Matt Nikolic. For more episodes, go to podcastone.com.au, download the Podcast One app, or search Cat's Pajamas on Apple Podcasts.